Before we begin this podcast, a small reminder that Mr. Howard Hawkins' season review book, The Bought Supremacy, is currently available on Kindle and via Amazon in paperback as well. The links are all over our timelines, so please do yourselves a favour, especially with Father's Day coming up, and get yourself a copy of The Bought Supremacy, Howard's season review and a book about a year and a season at home in a pandemic. Now, on to the show. Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that really wants Spain to win later because we once wasted thousands of pounds on a Swiss car. We couldn't get out of neutral. On today's show, we're looking forward to Murata Spurn yet more chances and Belgium v Italy promises a classic before serving up a dour nil-nil. Then it's the return of Southgate's great entertainers. Is it a fundamental problem that England are playing so cautiously right now? Or is winning the be-all and end-all in tournament football? To discuss this and more, I'm delighted to be joined today by two guys who have had nearly as many touches of the ball at the Euros as Harry Kane. It's Andy Smith and Harry Siddle. Welcome, chaps. You well? Yeah, I'm good. I just would like to say I've got the same amount of Euro 2020 goals as Kylian Mbappe, so... (laughs) I love it. Yeah, yeah, same goes for me. Uh, Andy, you well, pal? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much, mate. Lovely. Well, glad to have you both on board. Um, We've had some technical issues beforehand. Entirely my fault, so uh, I'm a bit stressed out. So let's calm down and talk about (laughs) football. Um, Starting with England and Ukraine. Um, Andy, how much have you seen of Ukraine this tournament? Yeah, I've uh, I've seen I saw the game against uh, the Netherlands and I watched them the uh, when they beat Sweden the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are the only two two out of the four games I've seen of them so far. Um, yeah, they they they're, they're well organised um, and they try and use their quality players. Uh, Yeremchuk up front and Yarmolenko. Um, you know, he looks like he's playing on one leg half the time, but it's not a bad <laughs> leg when he get when he gets it when he gets it working. Um, they shouldn't hold any fears for England in the sense that I do genuinely believe they are the weakest team that are left in the tournament. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm not expecting us to walk over. I mean, Gareth Southgate's yeah. shown since the the first minute of the first game. It'll be a pragmatic approach um, where I think we'll look to control uh, the ball and the tempo against them, but that won't be going against them. It'll just be kind of going through going through the thirds at a kind of mundane pace uh, mm. and, you know, um, nicking a goal and then controlling it from there. Um, I expect it to be a very similar uh, performance and result to what we experienced against the Czech Republic in the group stages. Um Harry, I've just done uh, kind of a match preview of it and I've come to the conclusion that Ukraine are really enjoyable to watch. They've got some brilliant technical players, particularly up front. Um, got Zinchenko, of course, in midfield. Yeah. But to beat this England side, you need to be clinical. I mean, say what yes. you like about Southgate, say what you like about England right now, but, you know, they're a solid unit who defend well and they haven't yes. conceded a lot of goals. So I can't see Ukraine being clinical um, is that a fair analysis? I think so far in the tournament they've relied on moments, and I think yes, to their yeah. credit, I think they have relied on moments. Uh, they've took their moments when they've got them pretty well. Um, look, Ukraine were a team I kind of earmarked earlier in the tournament as one to keep an eye on. And look, I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing, but I think a collective 
team effort does you get you far in a, a tournament football. Um, and that's not to say they're without quality either. I mean, you just mentioned Alexander Sinchenko. Ironically, I think plays the Kevin De Bruyne role for for uh, for Ukraine. He drifts all over the pitch. He seems to be their main man. Um, he's always wanting the ball, and he can produce a wicked cross as we as we saw at the weekend. So it's just one of them games for England that I think you just can't underestimate. Um, I think in the World Cup when we come against Sweden in the quarterfinals, I think it's a very similar game. England are very, very strong favourites. Um, Ukraine have done really well to get to the quarterfinals, like Sweden have done very well to get to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. They've just got to take this as seriously as they did in the round of 16 and hopefully that means that there isn't any problems, but it is England we're talking about here. Well, quite, yeah. Um, Andy, from a psychological standpoint, I mean, Shevchenko said before the tournament, if they get through the group, then that's a successful tournament for Ukraine because they've never done so before. They get through the group. A lot of tipsters were saying, you know, we fancy Ukraine to which is quarterfinals. Now that they've actually got to the quarterfinals, will it be a case where, you know, just 1% of their mindset is, right, we've done it, we've achieved our objective? Or conversely, is it a danger to England that basically they've got nothing to lose now? For Ukraine, this is like a free shot. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly think it's more of a, a danger um, than it is a, a good thing for England. I think if you look at all the teams that are in the quarterfinals that you would perhaps maybe wouldn't have put there at the beginning of the tournament, Ukraine, Czech Republic, Switzerland, maybe even Denmark, they've all got progressively better each and every single game. Mm. I think, you know, Ukraine started with um, a defeat. Uh, Switzerland started with a draw. Um, Denmark started with a defeat. But they've all got better and better as the tournament's gone on. And they all seem very, very comfortable in the way that they play. So as Harry was saying before about being a collective rather than necessarily individuals will help. Um, but yeah, they'll, they're going to provide like a, a solid base and then, you know, leave it to obviously Zinchenko, Yeremchuk and Yarmolenko at the top end of the pitch to, to try and nick that goal. But I, I think it's, I think as long as we have the right attitude, which is, I think one thing you can praise Gareth Southgate for is I think he will make sure that we're not going in there thinking it's going to be uh, a walkover. Um, so I'm, I'm confident for, for tomorrow, but then it's England. So absolutely nothing would surprise me. That's quite an interesting point you raised there, to be honest, because I've been. One of my criticisms of Gareth Southgate, and I very much am on the fence, I see the pros and cons of the man and of this England setup. but um, one of my criticisms is, you know, he's too cautious. He'll go into this game and kind of like, steady lads, this is Ukraine we're talking about here. Whereas you kind of feel, you know, you want them to kind of go into it with, right, we're going to do you, the semi-finals is ours for the taking. But maybe that's been England's downfall down the years. And, and maybe it is a positive that we are approaching each game Kind yeah. of, for want of a better word, taking it seriously. Of course, they are anyway. But you know, kind of with the right mindset. Um, okay, well, let's, let's move on to the, the lineup then, um, or the possible lineup. Uh, how do you see England setting up, Harry? Do you think it'll be in any way similar to Germany, or might it be more mm. similar to what we saw in the group stages? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd edge more to to the group stages. I think you're spot on with with what you've just said in terms of kind of with the team lineup as well. Because I think Southgate's biggest criticism, I think, of the World Cup semi final was his inability to switch it when it wasn't working. Mm. Whereas this tournament, he's displayed an ability to change it, 
game by game, depending on the opponents. You know, it was pretty well known that England were switching to a five to deal with, you know, Germany's main threat all tournament, which was obviously Goosens and Kimmich at the wing backs, and it went really well. Shaw and Trippier pushing up on them. Um, but when England, I think, are going to go back to this sort of how they were in the group stage in terms of dominating the ball, um, looking to pick holes in a sort of deep line defence, I assume this is how Ukraine are going to play and play like on the counter. Um, I think Southgate will revert back to that four and I think it's natural that Walker probably moves back out to the right, Trippier comes out um, and then obviously you've got a few decisions further forward but defensively I think that uh, I think back to a four would, would probably help England because we need to get more numbers further forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean I expect Mount to come back in, he's Southgate's favourite and, and he works well in this England setup, but um, should that be the case, should Mount um, come back in instead of, say, Trippier, for example? Um, and is there, is there a danger that Grealish, Foden, Sancho, that they're going to be considered impact subs for the rest of this tournament? I think from their point of view and in terms of, obviously, from a fan's point of view, uh, in wanting to see us kind of play exciting, expansive football is a concern. But in terms of getting results, um, you know, if, if we win Euro 2020 or 21, whatever we're calling it, no one's going to look back and go, oh, yeah, but we were a bit too pragmatic in our approach. I don't think that we... I, I, I don't think we're going to use Grealish and Foden to their full potential in this tournament. I think yeah. you've got two players who are, um, you know, they, they really are two absolutely fantastic players who they walk into any squad in world football but to get the balance of the team right um, you're not going to get them both in um, into this England team um, but I would always like to see one of them available um, it wouldn't surprise I, mean, I do think we'll go to a four in this game but it wouldn't surprise me if Trippier actually played left back just because Yarmolenko play comes from the right hand side and yeah, he's always wanted yeah. to cut in onto that left onto his left foot. So obviously if Trippy is on that left hand side, then he's always coming in onto his strongest foot. So and it's something that he did similar um in the Croatia game to try and deal with Perisic. So it wouldn't surprise me if Southgate went that way. Um but we've not seen Sancho kick a ball this tournament let alone have an impact from the bench so it's more of a concern for him than I think it is for we've seen with Phil Foden at Manchester City he doesn't get phased by being left out of the team and then coming back in he's proven that his head doesn't drop um, playing in one of the best club sides in the world under Pep so I think his mentality will be absolutely fine um, but we've not seen Jaden Sancho um, kick a ball in anger yet yeah, how much of a waste is that, Harry? I mean, one was yeah. always going to basically, you know, be anonymous. There's such an abundance of attacking talent and all quite similar in terms of the positions that they kind of favour. So there was always going to be one that misses out. I mean, for you, yeah. how big a waste is Jaden Sancho? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd admit he's probably the only concern for me at the moment um, because I think the way Southgate's handled Grealish has been pretty good so far. As much as we'd love him to start, would he have the same hunger and desire to make an impact of the game from the start than he is off the bench? Um, yeah, Sancho. Sancho's a strange one. Um, obviously, supremely talented and is not got in a looking. Um, he had the was it like the brief ten minute spell at the end of the Czech game, but nothing really to to, to have a significant impact. So I don't know. 
what Southgate's plans are with, with Jaden, but I'm hoping that later on in the tournament, if England are struggling to break down a team and there is space for, you know, quick uh, wingers to get in behind, I think Sancho is absolutely perfect for that. And he's shown in the qualifiers that him, Sterling and Kane as a front three have worked tremendously well uh, against teams like the Czech Republic, against teams like Ukraine. Um, but there has been some, there's been surprises in in the games anyway. I mean, I don't think many people expected Bakayo Saka to come in for the game when he did. So maybe Sancho does have a part to play at some point. Um, I'm just hoping that he does because just giving him 10 minutes is not enough for a player of his quality. He's got to be getting a decent chunk of game time and he will definitely make an impact if he if he is called upon. Okay. Um, okay, well, let's assume that it's going to be the to- two holding midfielders as we've seen um, mm. with Rice and Phillips. Let's also assume that, you know, it, it's going to be kind of Walker right back, possibly Trippier left back. I think that's a fantastic point you made there, Andy. I don't know how Ben Shilwell and Luke Shaw are going to take it, but for the grace of God and all the rest of it. So let's assume we've got that solid kind of six there. Um, the front four, the kind of the attacking midfield, if you like, and the front three. Uh, Andy, who would be your choice of four and who do you think Southgate will go for? Uh, I'm probably best not to ask me, mate, because I forgot Sancho actually did come on against Czech Republic, mate. I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, honest to God, I don't think he got a touch, so I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. Um, both, uh, both correct. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think you, you, he's going to go with Harry Kane. Obviously, that that's your number one. I think Mason Mount will come back in. He's got a lot of faith in Mason Mount. And, and to be fair, I don't think Mason Mount's put a foot wrong when he's yeah. played for England. I think he does the job really well. And then on on one side, I think you're always going to be you're going to have one from Sterling, Rashford, and Sancho. Um, he's for the the direct running style of them, and obviously the pace in behind. And you can't look any further than Raheem Sterling at the moment. He's in possession, and he's not giving it away with his performances. And then so, and then I think from the other side. Um, I don't think it'll be Saka, so I think you'd be looking um, at either Foden or Grealish personally. Uh, and I think I don't know which way I go to be honest, because mm. I'm a huge fan of both of them. Um, but I think he'll bring Foden back in for this one. I've got a feeling for Foden. Um, yeah, I, I do. As well. so, um, so do you agree with then, Harry, with that? Do you think it'll be Mount? Yeah, Foden, I, I, I think Kane? I think he's spot on. Yeah, I think he's spot on. The only change I think he's he's going to make in midfield, and I think one of Phillips and Rice may drop out just because of the the suspension risk. For I'd say probably more likely to be Phillips. So I, I you know, he's he's give Jordan Henderson a cup, a bit of minutes yeah. off the bench. So I think Henderson might come in for one of them. I'd say probably for Phillips. I think Phillips is the the easier one to shift out than Rice, considering the job Rice is doing, and obviously the maturity he showed from being on a yellow card from what nine minutes and handling the Germans and not being scared to get stuck in as well from sort of that period on. So that is the, but Foden, I think comes back in for this one. Um, and, and of course yeah, Mount as well. Yeah. Well, if you look at the kind of middle and midfield, I mean, personally, I, I, I think too much has been made of the fact that it's kind of Rice and Phillips. Um, mm. I can see what everyone's saying and I've gone along with it, but I just think too much has been made of it. I think, you've always got the option of having Phillips or Henderson pushing on and becoming a box-to-box player. You've always got the option, of course, of bringing in Jude Bellingham, who I believe will be one of the world's best in that that role in in a few years' time. Yeah, definitely. Um, So with that in mind, though, I mean, there still has been criticism of the two holding midfielders. Um, 
how do you feel about Andy? When you look at England in this tournament, do you think Southgate's been too cautious? And if he has, kind of, you know, the the reward is obviously kind of, you know, good good performances and good results. Yeah, I mean, if you'd have asked me, obviously, four weeks ago, I, I, I wanted him to be brave and I wanted him to either try and mount deeper alongside of Declan Rice or to play Bellingham in that position. Um, it's not the way that I would have gone. And I can certainly see, I, I do think that perhaps maybe they are overly cautious at times, but football's a results business. And, you know, we're here in the quarterfinals going up against Ukraine tomorrow night and we've not conceded a goal. Um, I think Jordan Pickford has been excellent in the tournament, yes. but he's still, he's still only had to make five or six saves and what, of, of what you would say were very good. So the defence and the setup are clearly protecting him very well. So, so yeah, I can understand the criticism that he, he, he gets when the team sheets announced, but then we're all looking at, you know, looking at the game an hour and a half later going, well, actually he's got that spot on, hasn't he? So, um, so yeah, so I, I don't think we can criticize him too much for the two holding midfield players. Just uh, staying with you, Andy, there, because you mentioned Pickford and, and, and anyone uh, listening who doesn't know you're an Evertonian. Um, I see a different Pickford for England, and it's not just in this tournament either. In, in, in previous games as well, he's a lot more assured, he's a lot more calm. Why is that? Because, you know, it stands to reason it should be the other way around, that he feels more comfortable in an Everton shirt, playing week in, week out, and maybe the bigger stage is where he gets more ramped up. But that's not the case. So why why is that? Do you think is it as you said because he's got better protection maybe with England? No, I, I think it would be um, a fair um, assessment or criticism in previously that he does perform better for England or certainly more consistently consistently than he does for Everton. Um, but he this season he was left in and out a little bit with Robin Olsen. Um, he was rotated a few games um, and he picked up an injury, but then he came back into the team uh, mid-January and he's been faultless for Everton since then. Uh, I think a lot of that goes unnoticed sometimes people remember the mistakes that you know he's made certainly at the end of last season um, and then coming into the start of the season we've just had but he's been this form that he's shown at the moment it's not new he's been performing that way for Everton for the last like I said I'd say certainly the last third to the half of a season Um, and I think something you know people always say you mature as a goalkeeper when you kind of hit your late 20s, early 30s. So we've got to remember, he's only 27 as it stands. It seems like he's been around for a while, obviously, because he's been England's number one keeper for the last four years. Um, but I just think he's he's just he's just maturing as a as a person um as you're about to find out Steve, he, he you know you're recent you're soon to become a father he's yeah. recently become a father in the last 12 months right. so i think i think all those things have just helped ground him a little bit more and um just mature as a person so what, what you're saying is in the past year whenever he get, takes to a football field it's like oh i can finally relax i'm away <laughs> from that noise <laughs> um harry just staying on that kind of you know, the cautious approach that Southgate's taken yeah. and, and the way it's kind of dividing people. I know that you saw England-Germany in, a, was it a fan park? Yeah, it's the, it was the Manchester fan park, yeah. So I'm guessing afterwards you weren't going home going, God, we, we should have attacked them more. I'm guessing you're pretty <laughs> happy. Yeah, I, I I just said before the tournament, I think we spoke before the tournament anyway on air, and I just said, look, I'm, I'm giving Southgate the benefit of the doubt until he makes me 
like think what he's doing is wrong and so far with par the Scotland game which of course yeah I think he could have been a bit more on the front foot he's not really put a foot wrong with his team selection it was the same with you know he's not the most flashy of midfield too Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips but it has worked and you know any criticism of like you said before if Calvin Phillips could further forward I mean Calvin Phillips did venture further forward and set up Sterling's goal against Croatia so he is doing you know, the, the jobs that Southgate's asked him to do as well. So you can't really argue with that. And the same with the fight at the back, I think I mentioned before, that the way that he'd set up to, to combat Germany was 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 fantastic and it worked really well. But I, I'm equally expecting him to revert back to the fore so we can be more on the front foot against Ukraine. So until he gives me something to complain about, I can't complain because he is he's done really well so far in the tournament and there's no indications that he will change his ways going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's some sums it up well and I, I wrote something this week about why I think there's a huge contradiction within what Gareth Southgate's doing because in being risk adverse he's taking an enormous risk because yeah. if England go out the flack he's going to get for the rest of his life you know his reputation everyone will see him as this kind of you know a cowardly figure yeah, it sounds too strong mm. a word that but you know that's how it'll be judged certainly by the tabloids is that and not so, more impressive though, Steve? Like you yeah, said, exactly. after, the, the, yeah. after the interview that he said, you know, if I if we lose this game today and I've picked this formation, I'm dead. You know what I mean? That's more impressive yeah. that he's got the, the bottle to to change and go against. And you know, everyone wants Grealish to start, but he's managed Grealish perfectly and he's come off the bench and he's contributed in pretty much every game he's come off because he's been hungry to prove Southgate yeah. that he should be in the starting eleven. I completely agree. I said in the article, I think it's incredibly brave what he's doing. And I can think of 10 managers, easy, who would come in Picked Grealish, picked quite an attacking lineup. England could very conceivably have done fantastic in this tournament, but go out valiantly in the semi-finals, as we've seen many times mm. before. And no one would have questioned the manager. He would have got a high-profile job after this, and you know, always been well regarded. So it is incredibly brave what Gareth Southgate's doing. Uh, whether you agree with him or not, you know, he is basically saying, "I want to go this way. This is the right approach, I believe, and I'm going to commit to it." Um, yeah. Okay, go back to the game. Um, how do you guys see this then, Andy? Do you, how do you see it playing out? Um, judging by the tournament so far, I'm just uh, we'll go one nil Raheem Sterling. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- yeah, I, I, I think I don't think we're going to see fireworks. I think we're going to see very similar performance um, to what we did against Croatia and Germany. Um, and yeah, I'm hopeful that we'll win uh, either one or two nil. Yeah, I've I've gone for two 0 myself, uh, Harry. Yeah, I've gone for two 0 as well. I think this could be a game where where Kane clicks. Now he's got his goal. Um, we we're going to need him in the latter rounds to score some big goals. So I think it, as much as you know Sterling's goal was incredible, it was probably even more important that Kane got on the score sheet as well at the weekend just to to get him going in the tournament. So I feel like this could be the game where Kane clicks, and I'm going to go that he scores both in a two 0 win. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I'll go along with that. I'll buy into that. Um, the other big game of this weekend, I know there's obviously four of them, but the, the, the really intriguing one is this evening for me, Belgium-Italy. Mm. Um, Andy, how impressive have you been with Italy to this point? Um, they've got such an incredible defensive record, but they're not particularly a defensive side, so it, they really intrigued me in that regard. Yeah, I've, I've been hugely impressed with Italy, obviously. I'd seen one or two of their games over the last couple of years and was aware of their form coming in. Um, but yeah, to see the, the level of performance that they're putting in 
and the work rate and the desire and it, you know, it's been said by many people, but it's, it's not your conventional it's, it's Italian setup. Uh, if anything, Gareth Southgate's kind of <laughs> doing more yeah, of a, yeah. an Italian job at the moment, if you will. So, um, but yeah, no, I've been uh, massively, massively impressed with them. And I think, you know, uh, I do think they'll win tonight as well. I think they're the, they're, they're the, the, the hardest team left in the competition. An outstanding reference to the Italian job there. And, and to anyone from the sun, <laughs> that's how it's done. That's how it, did you see that headline of theirs? Oh, dear God. Yes, I did, unfortunately. Ooh, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not up there with your, um, your Swiss neutral joke, mate, but I, I'll, take, I'll take a close second. <laughs> I know. I, I, I did feel like a 70s comic, I'll say. <laughs> um, Harry, what about you with, with Italy? Um, how impressed you've been? Obviously, being Blues, we've got the, the Mancini loving yes. as well. Yes, second team. Um, look, massively impressed. Same as everyone. Um, the combination play in midfield is 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 mesmerising at times. I've never seen Jorginho play so well. I don't know if that's just me being completely ignorant. And he's been like this at Chelsea all year, but he's been fantastic. And uh, Verratti the same. Uh, and if he doesn't work, Kiesa comes in and he's just as good. So. I think they've come into this tournament with with no fear, reading all the sort of previews from Italy and all the, the sort of news coming out of Italy before this tournament that there was it sort of felt like a free hit for Mancini and the team. Um they've rebuilt them really well. There's a lot of hope in in the national team now that they can go on and and uh, really challenge in the future for for major tournaments. So I think that may have helped them, this no fear way of playing, you know, that there's no expectations and they're playing without any expectation. But yeah, all I've read is that Mancini has, has rebuilt the side excellently and the Italian fans are, are super excited and you know I've been massively impressed and look the way that the way it has as uh the, the way the tournament has kind of opened up with France Germany and Portugal all that group of death going out Italy will now fancy the chances of, of going all the way especially the way they're playing well what particularly impresses me about Italy is how we, how we share the goal scoring around uh, I've put on the agenda here 22 different scorers from the last 50 goals in comparison, Belgium, Lukaku scored 27% of their goals in the mm. last five years. Could that be a downside, Andy? I mean, it certainly hasn't been a downside for Belgium to this point. They've got a phenomenal record over the last couple of years. But is there a danger of being too reliant on a goal scorer going into a tournament? Um, well, I th- you could say that, especially with, you know, when you look at England, when you've got Harry Kane, who's, you know, he's one of, one of the Europe's greatest forwards and he's looked like he's not been able to control a football until he scored his goal the other day. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can see why it's a concern, but Martinez, you know, he, he uses Lukaku in different ways. Like we saw him play on the right the other day as opposed to through the middle. Um, just to, just if he sees a weakness in an opposition, he'll use him in a different way to try and exploit that. Uh, and of course, um, Martinez versus Mancini, it's the repeat. Is it the 2013 FA Cup final? It's when uh, Ben right, yeah. scored a winner. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it, yeah. and. Don't me that. <laughs> so, sorry, I, I never thought that. That's a great. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even um, that. So and obviously Martinez, you know, Wigan did a fantastic job on Man City that day, you know, in terms of the tactics and the way that, you know, Wigan were able to compete with Man City over that game and then eventually win. So it's be interesting to see um what Martinez has found that he can exploit um in the Italian defence 
uh, this evening and see if it's something that he can do. Um, but um, as you put down uh, on the agenda with De Bruyne and Hazard not being available, yeah. I'm not sure Hazard is a massive loss to Belgium at this moment in time as he's, you know... Unfortunately for him, he struggled with his with form and injuries over the last couple of years. But you know, Kevin De Bruyne, if he's not fit, I do. You know, for me, he's the best midfield player in in the world in the position he plays. Having to replace that when you're going against you know Italy, which are the most informed team in European football, it, it it's it, that 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 for me is a, a tougher mountain for him to overcome than worrying about uh, necessarily relying on Lukaku because Lukaku he'll be up mm. against players he plays in week in week out in Serie A and he'll be he'll be fired up for tonight no doubt well I, I can't believe I didn't think of that um you know Wigan City and, and I've sent the preview off now so I can't even kind of get it back and, and just say it. you choose to ignore it Steve that's that's what I've been doing <laughs> yes. um yeah well I mean Belgium won't overly miss Hazard of course because they've got their you know his better brother playing so <laughs> right. um, but De Bruyne oh what a miss he's going to be um, Harry it's, I mean, he's been so lucky with injuries the past few weeks the type yeah. of injuries he's had as well yeah in big games in big games as well it's a shame because you want to see these players playing in the in the big game so I don't know what role he's going to play tonight there's been a bit, been a bit of conflicting reports probably a bit of media talk between the yeah. two countries to just kind of scare the Italians a bit in case he does end up in the starting lineup. but um yeah, KDB more so than Hazard, definitely. As you say, Hazard's been outshone by his brother. So the combination played between De Bruyne and Lukaku is, is astounding. Um, so trying to replace that with someone else, especially with Hazard out as well, is going to be... It's going to be hard for Belgium, but it, it's, it's really unfortunate for him because he is in his prime now and he wants to be playing in these world's biggest games. So... You know, hopefully for for his sake, Belgium do the business if he's out tonight, so we can feature in a in a semi final and possibly a final as well, because he is the caliber of player that deserves to be playing in these sort of games. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've said in the previous part, De Bruyne has set up Lukaku uh, yeah eleven times uh, for Belgium. So wow, if you, if you think of like players would die for eleven assists for their country, that's just mm. from Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> to Lukaku, which is unbelievable. Um, yeah. Andy, how do you see this one going? I'm going to go 3-1 Italy. Right, okay. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going for that dour 0-0. I'm, I'm going for extra time. Mm. I think 1-0 to Italy in extra time. Um, Harry? I think it really depends on if what how, how much De Bruyne features. Um, but I'll go 1-1 and Italy to win it on penalties just to make it exciting. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I, I do want to go to penalties. I mean, that, that Ukraine goal the other night was amazing, but yeah. deprived of pens just for what? 20 seconds to go. I, especially when I've been drinking all day, I want penalty kicks. <laughs> <laughs> you could hear collective sighs up and down the street as that goal went in the first yes. minute. Everyone just yes. waved race for so. <laughs> You've, you've got like a nation of basically households where someone who isn't particularly into football is lingering by the door because they're going, what, what's happening? Oh, it's the penalties. And they're, they're waiting for those pens. But no, it doesn't happen. Okay, well, looking at the tournament as a whole, then obviously we're left with eight teams. And it really intrigues me, basically, how you could split them in and divvy them up into two. You've got the four fancied sides and the four outsiders. Uh, the latter, of course, Ukraine, Switzerland, Czech Republic, and to a lesser extent, Denmark, although they are, I think you can get nines for, on them, so they're classed as outsiders. Um, 
Andy, for the latter four, who's impressed you the most? And can you see any of those four going on to win it? Uh, the m- most impressive out of the, the, the four underdogs, if you will, has got to be Denmark for obviously just what they've gone through from the first game to be able to challenge all those emotions in the right way, um, in the way that they have. And they've just got better and better every game um, since since the Finland game. Uh, and I thought they were hugely impressive against Wales, who had been, you know, Wales have been very good throughout the, out the group stages and they absolutely blew them away. So, um, sorry about that, Steve. Um, <laughs> and of course, and as you were saying before about perhaps maybe over reliance on one player and one striker. Yeah, of course, that could be a concern. But then you also, we always get, you know, a player who not necessarily expected to rip it up, but Patrick Sheep for Czech Republic, you know, he's absolutely flying at the moment. So, um, when you've got a, a player who you've got complete confidence with, if he's going to get a chance, doesn't matter if it's from six yards or the halfway line, he's going to put it away. Um, Derek said, but yeah, Denmark for me, uh, 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 I think have been an absolute credit to, um, uh, to, to world football this tournament, the way that they've managed to, yeah. to deal with everything so well. Well, I mean, they're topping every, every meaningful chart, you know, most goals on, most shots on target, most attacks, everything. They've just been phenomenal as regards to, you know, kind of entertaining as well as attacking. Um, oh, by the way, incidentally, uh, listeners, I said at the top, there was a technical issue. Um, it was me, basically. I, I could hear the guys, they couldn't hear me. And with Andy mentioning Wales there, it just reminded me that they both found it funny to be slagging on Wales throughout. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I did hear, and uh, yeah, that goes into my little black book. <laughs> in, in our defence, we were slagging off you, not Wales. We just oh, to reference that you were Wales are really good. I'm sure we did, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We definitely did, Harry. We definitely did. As long as this may not the country fair enough. <laughs> um, Harry, can you see Ukraine, Switzerland, or the Czechs doing it? Or mm. are you, you know, with Andy, kind of thinking maybe most likely is Denmark. Yeah, I think he. I think he's put it perfectly with Denmark, but. I think it's probably the Czechs who've surprised me the most. Yes, um, here, yeah. They've got like yeah. a, a really hard working core. Um, and I can't tell you how much like, like Kufal reminds me of Zabaleta, like, mm. like massively. Yeah. Um, so, so when England got drawn against them, I honestly thought they'd be the sort of whipping boys of the group, even with Scotland in there. And you know, you know, our feelings on Scotland, um, England played them in qualifying and they completely and utterly took them apart. So I just thought that, they'd be the whipping boys of the group so to get into the quarters is a remarkable achievement for them whatever happens uh, in the game tomorrow so they're probably the ones that surprised me out of the, out of the couple Switzerland obviously has shown great great indetermination against France and you know it can't be underestimated after after missing that penalty going 3-1 down especially the goal Pogba score, after the goal Pogba score to come back and mm. uh, get a draw and take that to penalties I thought was, was remarkable as well and who was lost? Uh, Ukraine as well, but yeah, obviously Ukraine are coming against the mighty England, so they've got no chance. Yeah, Ukraine have actually, if anything, disappointed me, and yet they've reached the quarterfinals, which is odd in itself. But yeah, mm. I, I really fancied them as my dark horses, and um, I thought they'd be really more. I don't know, it's just something I, I, I can't see them progressing past England anyway this weekend. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to just kind of wrap things up with um, the team of the tournament so far and your player of the tournament so far. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just go quickly first on this one because it fits in with what we were talking about the Czechs. Uh, Tomas Holes. Is it Holes? 
Holes, yes. anyway. Yes. Yeah, holes. <laughs> it's been fantastic. And you mentioned there about Kufal. Um, I didn't know that Hollis basically was Kufal's understudy for, for years in in, um, in Czech Republic. And then mm. when Kufal left, everyone expected him to take over as a right-back at, at, at Prague. Um, he never he got employed as a holding midfielder. So it's only the last year he's played there in that holding yeah. role. And he's been brilliant. So, mm. okay, he's 28 or 29. Um, he's never pulled up much trees in his career, but I, I could see a summer move for him because he's been sensational. Um, and it is, his matchup against Holberg tonight will be will be brilliant as well. Sorry, tomorrow. Um, so he's my, maybe Stefan Lehner, Lehner as well. Um, yeah. and, and a quick shout out for Chris Methim at Wales. Uh, superb, 23 Wasted at Bournemouth. I think he's um, Premier League bound. Uh, Andy, any kind of players that stood up for you? Yeah, I think um, t- the three players for me are uh, two fullbacks. Initially, I think Spinazzola at Italy. You know, uh, right footed left back or left footed right back, whichever one he is, he's playing. I get confused just watching him, but I think he's been absolutely. <laughs> fantastic um brilliant defensively and he gives so much to the italian side going forwards um i thought denzel dumfries for holland was absolutely outstanding in the four games he played and he could consider himself unlucky to be out the tournament he might well be everton bound i don't we've been linked with him which is one of the reasons not why i've mentioned it but one of the reasons why i probably i I watched him more than i would do uh normally um in terms of uh, a player but yeah he's someone who's we were apparently ready to pick up for 15 million euros and now it's 27 million euros and we're (laughs) competing with Inter Milan and Bayern Munich. So uh, we'll just wait and see. There's there's a lot of things going on at Everton at the moment. So, uh, but we'll talk about that another day. I'm not ready for the emotional rollercoaster of that. I purposely avoided it. Yeah. I nearly brought it up before. Uh, I can't remember what we're talking about, but it it leads towards Rafa and I thought, no, step back. No, yeah. We'll swerve that one. Yeah. Um, but the the player of the tournament for me so far has been Raheem Sterling, um, oh, purely, yeah. and, purely and simply because the amount of criticism he's had over the last, well, ever since he started his career, where as far as I'm concerned, the only thing he's guilty of is, guilty of is being a, a successful young black athlete. The amount of grief he's had from people within our own country, our own press, which we know how they can be, um, questions about him coming into the tournament because obviously he didn't have the best of finishes to the season with Man City uh, and to take all that pressure and just to get on and play football and let's be honest if it wasn't for his interventions we might not be talking about England playing in a quarterfinal on Saturday so I think to deal with all that pressure um, and to come out the way he has I think he's an absolute credit to himself and, and, and to our country. Yeah, too right. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry, I think you agree with that. Is there any other yeah. players that stood up for you as well? Yeah, Sterling was my pick initially. I've got two, but I just Sterling. I think he's just spot on with everything he said. I just, I, I absolutely adore him. I don't understand what it's going to take for England fans to love him, but he's giving it a, a bloody good goal, performance after performance, goal after goal, and people still don't have him in like the strongest England eleven. Like it just baffles me. It's the same with City fans. You know, the attitude in the last couple of weeks of. Bernardo Silva wanting to leave obviously understandably but Raheem Sterling might be in a little bit unhappy about his game time it's chalk and cheese the attitude City fans have towards them two players 
and it's it's horrible and I just adore him and he's battled through absolutely everything and he is performing 100 metres away from where he grew up and scoring big goals for England so I adore him and I'd love him to win player of the tournament but a more probably measured one I've thought Pedri for, for Spain has yes, been yeah. fantastic and he, how old is he? Is he 19? I think he's 18 still isn't he or yeah, is he just turned 19? Incredible. He might, I'm not, he's, he's an absolutely incredible and it seems like at the moment Spain are passing him the ball and just going yeah please just do something mate uh, <laughs> even if it is putting it in the back of his own net uh, he's just <laughs> everything he's doing at the moment is just working for Spain and yeah Barcelona have got a proper talent on their hands with him. Oh I have no idea what his fed is. Yeah well that, that, Padre yeah, Howard got me onto him to be honest I didn't really notice him in the first couple of games and then I started to notice him and it's like oh boy yeah he's mm. a, a real talent okay lads well I think that's it um, we've got four really big games to look forward to um, yes. tonight and tomorrow so yeah well thank you very much for joining me today Andy absolute pleasure absolute nice to meet you Harry and um and enjoy enjoy the uh, enjoy the, the weekend and of all the football and don't get too drunk. <laughs> yeah, you too, mate. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I will not enjoy it. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you're doing. Thank you very much, Harry. Yeah, pleasure as always, mate. And thanks everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. Uh, we're off to paint our faces red and white and take vicarious pride in winning a war that ended many years before our parents were even born. In the meantime, take care, be well, and go on, I'll say it, from a Welshman, come on England! <laughs>